Wednesday night, July 5th, 2023, and we are in the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, if you're not already there, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23, and we'll be starting with verse 15. Now from verse 15 through the end of this chapter, there are five different topics covered in that short section of Scripture. And um, so the title, it's hard to come up with a, with a title for something like this because it's so random. It, it doesn't really seem like any one issue ties in with the other. So they're just various uh, regulations. So I just wrote down social and religious laws. Social and religious laws, Deuteronomy 23, 15 through 25. And then last week, there was other, uh, others that went along. In the same chapter, there were others. And we covered them last week. So we left off at 15, four, uh, 14, so now we're at 15. And it says, Thou shalt not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto thee. He shall dwell with thee even among you in that place which he shall choose in one of thy gates, where it liketh him best. Thou shalt not oppress him. So those two verses go together. And basically what it's saying is some slave from some other area has escaped and they've come to your area. Now, no, no, this is Israel we're talking about. This is the nation of Israel. So maybe the word got out that those people, those Israelites, they follow God. And they're, they're nice. They're protectors. So if we escape, let's go there. Maybe they'll help us. Because they, if they go to some other people, they're probably going to be uh, sold back or taken into slavery where they are, where they go to. Maybe that's what was going on. So the nation of Israel is being instructed that uh, you know, if this person has run away, it's probably for a very good reason. He's probably being mistreated, or he's maybe up, uh, he has done something where they're going to maybe punish him severely, and he needs to get away. So you're supposed to have a safe place for a person like that. Now, as Christians, we're supposed to be that way too. People need to, to, to know that if they are being mistreated, that they should be able to come to the church to, try, to find people that would not uh, turn them in. You know what I'm saying? You know, like uh, it's a, a family situation and a young person maybe comes to us because they think we're a safe place. We have to be careful not to put them in greater danger by maybe allowing somebody to know what they're running from, whatever. We're just supposed to be a safe place. Um, now, there's other, there's a, when, we, when we think about the whole Bible, 
there are examples in the Bible where slaves were sent back. So it seems like it might be a little bit of a contradiction, right? Somebody might say, I, I doubt anybody who would say the Bible contradicts itself is going to know or be able to pull out these things that I'm getting ready to say. But do you remember when Hagar was sent, sent away? And an angel showed up and ended up instructing her to go back. I think this was the time where she left on her own. And she, she, so there was, at the later time, she was sent away. But the first time, I think she left because of the cruel treatment. But I just remember the story of the angel telling her to go back to her mistress. And she did. She went back. So there's one case. So she, she went back to Sarah. Then in the New Testament, Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon. Right? That's a, definitely a case of a guy who had left a master, and then Paul ends up instructing him, and then he sends that letter back to Philemon, receive him back, receive this person like you're receiving me. So there's another case where you send them back. We might have those issues where a young, that, that same young person who comes here or a person who who's, uh, feel like they're, they're not being listened to, they come here, we have to have enough Bible wisdom to really get to the bottom of the issue. And maybe one of the things we do is send them back to where they ran from. So we need to, we need to have uh, a life of knowledge in the Word of God, a life of prayer, so that we know how to handle those situations. And those situations do come up. <clears throat> and we need to be more prepared. Because there, there could be a time where uh, somebody, uh, maybe a young girl... Will, would, would come here and have something and wants to talk to me about it, and I need to have a woman to be able to take that, or at least be part of it. So we have to work together on those situations. All right, so that's number one. That's the first one, uh, starting with those two verses, uh, a safe place. All right, the next couple verses... It says, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Now notice the parallel verse. The Bible, the King James Bible is very good at parallel verses that you can match up in the first verse it might be two different things. And then the second verse, the two different things in it match up with the two in the other verse to help define, or it goes along with. <clears throat> there shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. And here's the parallel verse. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore, or the price of a dog... So the dog is going to match up with Sodomite of the sons of Israel. 
into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So these two things, so what this is talking about is prostitution. The issue that we started with as far as the first verse we read last week, which I did not want to read it, but when you first read that verse, so if, if anybody is listening to this and don't know what we talked about last week, um, you read it on your own, chapter 23, verse 1, and you would think, that's weird. Why would, they, why would that cause a person not to be allowed to be in the congregation of the Lord? But if you do your world history or if you do your ancient history, you go back and study the pagan religions, it's something that was done for religious purposes. There's lots of things that were done for religious pur purposes that you wouldn't want that coming into anybody who is doing weird things to pagan gods. You've got to be very careful allowing them to come in because they could bring in those teachings and corrupt. Uh, a, lit, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. A little leaven, all it takes is a little tiny bit of corrupt, corruption to get into the good bread, and it starts to permeate through it all. All it, all it has to have is the right conditions. And <clears throat> leaven is like yeast. We, if you don't know what leaven means as far as what the Bible is talking about, today in today's word would be yeast. And how, what, what condition does, does yeast work really good in? And that would be lukewarmness. When you, when you mix up your yeast mixture to pour in for your sourdough bread, you want the water to be lukewarm. You take the little packet, you pour it in there, stir it up, and it sits for a certain amount of time. So what are we warned against in Revelation? By the time you get to the seventh church in chapter 3 of Revelation, we, it talks about Laodicea being a lukewarm church. Well, that's all over the place today. All across America, we're lukewarm. We're neither cold nor hot. So leaven is going to work really, really good in today's church. So back to 17 and 18 of 23. Prostitution in pagan temples was a very common thing. It would bring money into those pagan churches. Those pagan churches were well attended because it was fleshly, it was, it was uh, very vile, and so there was even male prostitutes. So, sodomite, where did that word come from? You, we've got the story of Sodom, and then Gomorrah, so Sodom and Gomorrah, what was happening in Sodom? And now that particular lifestyle, and you could call a person who engages in that type of lifestyle a sodomite, and that's what the Bible calls it. Now this could even be, uh, Matthew Henry said that uh, he took the sodomite of the sons of Israel, he maybe. I just know that he, when he talks about it, he would say anybody who is in the trafficking of prostitution. 
So he would say, uh, like, the pimp. So either way, either the man is, is doing the prostitution, definitely here the woman is, but the person who, uh, the man part, you know, the sons of Israel, it's, I think either or would work. So, and it, and it can be a profitable business, and if you was to bring that money into the congregation, the, the real God, the one and only God, if you was to bring that in and use that as your valve money, that would be a horrible thing to do. Uh, I wrote down, so, so this, the, the section, this section I wrote down, no shelter for the unclean. No shelter for the unclean. Those things are not allowed in. A prostitute wants to come in to the church, and she's like, I got a lot of money to put in the offering today. I had a really good night last night. Are we going to accept that money? What if, what if, what if it's a, uh, a drug dealer? I've been to churches... A long time ago, we, were, we went to some churches, and they were the prosperity-type teachings. What's the, the, the newest term for that? Um, but the, you, you give and give, and then God's going to bless you. This is the prosperity preaching. And they were, we were, the guys would be together talking about different things, and... Uh, there's this one guy who used to be in drugs, and he said, what if I brought in a bunch of drug money? Could I put that in the offering? Now, if you have a preacher that preaches prosperity, he's going to come up with every way he can to say, well, we'll tell you what, we'll just pray over it and make it holy. Yeah, uh, nah, you know, is it drug money or not? If you're selfish and you're in it for the money, you'll make up every excuse to be able to receive that money in. But if you do what's right, then God blesses you. But most prosperity preachers don't really believe that God is doing anything for anybody. They're just using people and using the Word of God, which, using the truth and perverting it, saying, I mean, I, I sat under it, I saw how it worked, and I'm ashamed that I was ever part of those churches. And I can remember being put in a position of teaching finances. I was young. I was really, really young. Had not lived long enough to have any good wisdom. And I didn't know I was being used. And I had taught several classes. And, and that church was very much into... It was, it was tithing, tithing, tithing. Prosperity's coming to you. People, people couldn't hardly get through their month. I, it, it, was, it was just sad situations there. And I was picked to teach some financial stuff because way back then I was investing. I, I was doing a bunch of those types of things. And the pastors thought that I could get people more into that to where they'll give more. And that was the whole purpose of it. But I can remember the last time that I did a class, because he wasn't interested in me doing a class after the, the last time I did it. I had a big group, big group in the, in, the, in the big sanctuary that we had. And I started talking about a Christmas when I was a little kid. Because, you know, we... We were not, 
we didn't get a lot of stuff when I was growing up. We just didn't get a lot. We did without, did without, but at Christmas time, my mom and dad were really good about making a really good Christmas. We always looked forward to it. And if it, was, if it was my year to get a gift, I was really excited. Now, that's just being funny. That's just a joke. But we always got gifts. One year, my dad was laid off, and we were told leading up to Christmas that not, don't, don't be too upset. They were trying to you know, ease us into Christmas morning. You know, if you come running downstairs and there's hardly anything under the tree, just don't be upset and all that. And we didn't get a lot that Christmas, but it was the best Christmas we ever had. I can remember, I'm pretty sure that was the Christmas I jumped on my bike and I rode down to the store and I bought my dad's favorite candy bar, my mom's favorite candy bar, and wrapped it up for Christmas presents which meant I had to ride my bike past the big tree, which was the limit. That was no further than the big tree. And I went way past the big tree early one morning to go all the way down to the store to buy those Christmas presents. And working together as a family, that meant more to me than anything else. So, so I shared that whole story in this class. And the preacher's over there acting like he's just going to faint. He did not like it at all. Because I was saying the exact opposite of what prosperity preachers want to hear. Like you can have nothing and still be extremely happy. You can be. <clears throat> but as far as bringing money into the church, if it is drug money, prostitute money, that would be a bad thing to do. And the person needs to be ministered to, and that needs to change because that is an abomination to God. For you to be uh, in, the, in the business of trafficking, whether it be drugs or the, uh, the, uh, the prostitution industry, the porn industry, any of that is trafficking. It's using weak people people who have got themselves in a really bad spot to where they're desperate and you are using them for financial gain. That is one of the most wicked things you can do. Uh, Proverbs, I wrote down Proverbs 15.8. It says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Oh, that makes me think. There's a new movie out right now, and it's, what is it, The Sound of Freedom? Is that what you looked up? The Sound of Freedom. I think that's the title of the movie, The Sound of Freedom. And you know uh, Jim Caviezel? Jim Caviezel is the guy who played Jesus in the Passion movie years ago. The Passion of the Christ, he's the one that played Jesus. And Jim Caviezel will tell you that after he made that movie, and he can tell you some really cool details about what went into that movie. And from what I remember, he really wasn't a believer back then, a true believer. Now, Joseph Hazel, when I say true believer, or, or if you truly are born again, which I, someday I'm going to explain all of that. I'm going to explain, I mean, he's taking it wrong with me, with what I'm saying. But there are, and, and, and I'll just give you a little hint of it. Uh, 
there are what you would call Christians in name only. There's a bunch of them. Christians in name only. And I don't, I don't want to share too much of the statistics and all because I want that to be for Sunday, but you have real born-again believers, and if you polled them and took statistics from them, they are way up here. And then if you take secular, just secular is, is just people who really don't, they're, they're the nothings. They don't believe one way or the other. They just don't believe. They don't go to church. They just live their life and want to have a peaceful life. They're right here. And I'm, you know, people who listen to this don't know what I'm doing, but you know, I got my hand raised up really high, and then I got down here in the middle. Those are just normal, what we call secular people, not religious, whatever. Well, then you have the people who are Christians in name only, and they're down here. They're low. So when you take a poll of people who call themselves Christians, let's say the topic is uh, divorce. Well, you'll hear in the church that divorce rate within the church is no better and no worse than the secular people. You'll, you'll hear that. Well, if you take the people who are truly born again, not in name only Christians, but real Christians, they do outstanding. Now, the, the people who say they're Christians but really aren't, they do far worse than the people who, do, who don't believe anything. They don't really have a belief one way or the other. They don't ever go to church. They don't act like they're Christians. So, you, so why is it that people who say they believe are worse than the average person. Why is that? Think about it. So if you take the average of these down here and these up here, you're no different than the secular society. But if you take these people down here out of the survey, out of the polling, real believers perform way better in all categories. Divorce just being one of them. Way better. That's what I mean when, when you hear me say, uh, if you are truly born again. That, and, and I know that people might not understand what I really mean by that. But that's what I'm trying to get across. Because I've met so many people in my life who said they were Christians. They were not. They just joined up. They had a list of different, different ones to pick from. And they're like, uh, that one sounds better. I'll, go to the, I'll do this one. That's what I'm talking about. They picked a religion to be a part of. But there's been no heart change whatsoever. No real uh, belief in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Okay, uh, all right, now. Uh, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. That's the end of 15.8. Okay, next verse. 19. Thou shalt not lend, lend, you know, give somebody money, like you can borrow this, lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, 
usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. All right, so amongst their very own people, what that usury means is interest. All right, you loan somebody money, but you expect a certain amount. You expect that back plus interest. Now, within the nation of Israel, their very own people, they weren't supposed to put that interest on there. But, the next verse, unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury. Okay, well the Jewish people who got into banking and moved to America, moved wherever they moved to, they took this verse and ran with it. Jewish men back in the day were amazing money makers. Very wise, and they knew how to use this to their advantage. So unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now, if you did charge interest, you just wouldn't get the blessing from God on uh, your business ventures. So, you know, one way or the other, you're going to be, you're going to come out even, basically. Uh, Back in, let's see, where was that? Might have been Exodus. It was also something talked about way before this that you shouldn't charge interest to somebody who is poor. Now, I can't give you the scripture verse, because I can't remember exactly, but I just remember seeing it when I was studying this, but I I failed to write it down. 21. Here's the next. So, so number three was interest or usury. That was the third topic. Now for the fourth one is vows. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. So that means don't hold off. Don't drag it out. Pay it. Just get it paid. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee. So if you've made a vow and you don't follow through with it, again, he's going to get it from you somehow. And it would be sin in thee. You didn't follow through with, with what you vowed. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. So that's all that's saying is, if you, if, you, if you don't think you can follow through, don't ever make the vow. Don't make a commitment if you can't follow through with it. If you do make a commitment, you need to be a person who stands behind it. All right, we've become uh, a nation that, or you know, a people that we don't follow through with things like we used to back in the day. And... It used to be, back in the day, you had a couple dudes, they would, they would uh, make a deal, all right, this is what you're going to do for me, and then I, I'll pay you this amount, whatever. Then they would, they would just shake hands. And they would fall, each person would follow through quickly and fully everything they said. Now today, you can have two parties like that come to some type of agreement, and have a 25-page contract. Everybody sign it. It gets witnessed. 
and they still don't follow through with what, they're going to, what they said they were going to do. 23, that which is gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform. Now, there's a guy, I won't say his name, and <laughs> he, he made all kinds of promises. <clears throat> and then he would over, go overboard on complimenting. Com, compl- how do you say it? Compliment. Compliment. Give someone a compliment. So he he would he would flattery would be a good word for it. So he he would just overboard talk about like let's, let's say you he needed you for something, whether it be a ride or maybe to get some work and make some money. He would tell everybody he met, and especially if you were there, how awesome you were. Just overboard. You got to be very, very careful around people like that. Flattery. We're warned about flattery. It's in Proverbs, and there are several verses. <clears throat> but he was always ready to say things, boast about things, but very seldom followed through with them. <clears throat> uh, Jerry Clower talked about one of the Mars, uh, the Leadbetters, one of the Leadbetters. And he was a, one of them, one of the brothers was a liar. If you, if you don't know who uh, Jerry Clower is, look him up and listen to some of the stuff he did. So if you're a country person and you like farming and uh, ranching and stuff like that, if you like hunting, then you'll get a kick out of listening to him. But very good Christian man. He was a salesperson and he was extremely successful because he could tell stories. And he would go and build relationship with people, and they just loved to buy stuff from him because they loved to see him show up. You know, most salesmen show up, you're running. But when you saw him pull up, you, you know, it was a story where he had picked up somebody's rabbit beagles, put them in the back of his Cadillac, and brought them back to the house. Muddy feet and everything, he didn't care. He just had to get those dogs back to their owner. So that's the kind of guy he was. But he was talking about one of the Leadbetters, and one of those Leadbetters just lied. It's, he, said they, he said that he would climb a tree to tell you a lie when he could have just stood on the ground and told you the truth. But that means you, there are certain people who will go out of their way to tell a great big story that is not true. There are people like that. When it be so much easier to just stay on the ground. Yeah, in that story he said that, uh, I wish I remembered which one it was. I can't remember which one. Marcel's the one that everybody knows. Marcel, then there was Clovis and all these other ones. But whichever one lied, uh, got sent to his room because he, he just lied all the time. And he lied about a lion being in the yard. You know, he came running in the house screaming and hollering, a lion is in the yard, a lion is in the yard. And they went out, and it was just a big old fluffy dog that somebody had just shaved all of his hair off except around his, his head and the end of his tail. It was just a dog. But he was like, a lion in the yard, lion in the yard. So they, they got all mad at him and said, that's just a dog. And they sent him to his room and said, you go to your room, and you pray to God, and you ask him to help you with your lion and all that. And he went up there, no supper. 
And later that night, they called him to come back down and said, now have you learned anything? Have you talked to God about this? And he said, yes, I have. And God told me not to worry about it. Because when God said when he saw that dog, he thought it was a lion too. Whew. Now that's somebody who likes a lie. That's Jerry Clower. That's just a taste of Jerry Clower. Now as far as a vow being made in the church, that could be with uh, <coughs> the amount of money that you want to dedicate, that you're going to put in the offering every, every week. Uh, or every month, whatever, or it could be your volunteer time, you know, you want to do a certain amount of volunteer. Whatever you commit to do, you're supposed to follow through with it, is what this is saying. And we are supposed to, and here's, this is, this is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, for as now, Paul is talking about this situation in the New Testament church. Now, you don't hear the word tithe in the New Testament. You really don't hear it all the way through. Now, you'll hear Jesus talk about it to the Pharisees, that tithe of all the men. They, they wanted to be seen doing it, but then they neglected all these other things, and Jesus said, you know, you should be doing all these other things and, and, and still do the tithing thing, but you're just doing the religious stuff that makes you look good. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, movies that... I've got to go back to the movie that I was going to talk about, but it was one of the Kendrick Brother movies, the ones that did Facing the Giants and Courageous and all those movies. There was, a, there was one of those movies where the main character he would take an uh, envelope out of the back of the pew when he was at church, and he would just pretend like he was putting money in the offering plate because everybody else was putting money in. So when the plate passed down, he had gotten this envelope out of the back of the pew, and, and he, you know, in the movie, you know, he opened it up, and there's nothing in it. And then he just... So everybody sees him putting something in. That's, you know, being a false witness. You know, wanting people to think that you're doing something. But anyway, getting back to the New Testament, we're not under the law of tithing. Now, most preachers would smack me upside the head right now if I, they heard me say that. We're not under the law of it. But, listen to this. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous, or super, I don't even know how to, if I'm saying that right, for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achai was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we that would say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty that, uh, 
whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of, a, not of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Okay? Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That is, as it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes, causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberation, I mean, I mean, for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you are you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. So, New New Testament Christians are supposed to uh, give to the church, so that. People can be taken care of when... See, nowadays, we, people depend on the government. They want a check from the government. Nowadays, people are all about getting insurance policies for everything. So they have actually taken what the church was supposed to be, and they've put their trust in others, not the church. So now the church doesn't have enough money to help those who come in for need. You know, you, if you're really going through something, you have gotten hurt. Because every, you know, you, I'm just going back. Back in the day where a handshake was good enough. And somebody, everybody's working. Everybody's working hard, and one person falls, hurts themselves. And it's a month before they get back up to where they're working again. In that month time, all the other people in the church have come together and they're helping that person through that month. And then that person is so grateful and they get back to working <clears throat> and now their hearts have even softened more to where one day when somebody else gets hurt, they remember what, what happened for them and they're all in. They, they'll be the ones that say, hey, so-and-so needs help. And then they'll get, get it all together and people will start giving and they'll take care of him. See, and then, you know, if you want a minister, if you want a preacher, if you want a youth pastor, if you want these people and you want them to be dedicated to where if there's somebody sick over there, they can go. If there's somebody that needs talking to over here, minister to over there, if you want that, they got to be paid. 
They've got to be able to make a living. And there's so many churches today that cannot do that. They just can't do it. Um, <clears throat> my buddy Cameron, who uh, goes to the jail with me, you know, he's, he's at, he just got hired as a pastor at a church. There's like 50 people. And, you know, they could pay him very little. And then he works a full-time job. He's, he has for years and years. But he's not changing anything about his job. But he's been called. He's been a pastor before. And it didn't work out with the church that he was pastoring. And it's been many years, but he's done jail ministry for a very long time. So now he's got another opportunity, and things are going very well so far at this church. Going very well. But he's still working full-time outside of that. Um, I, can, you, uh, I, I won't talk about that. All right, I, I just got several, several examples of, of ministers that I know personally that I've seen them go through some really bad stuff. You know, Pastor Jay, who did the ordination service here for me, I watched him just putting everything into the ministry and getting himself in a really bad spot. <clears throat> I just I remember that. <clears throat> and the pastor came in behind him after Pastor Jay moved on to another church. I just, I just could, could go on and on about it. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, vows and uh, keeping your vow is very important to God. Say what you mean and mean what you say. That's what I told that guy that, you know, when he just overboard lying, overboard telling stories. I, t I just looked at him one day and I said, dude, say what you mean and mean what you say. And I walked away. And we're still really good friends today. All right. Now, where are we at? 23. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform even a freewill offering according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. <clears throat> All right. Now, for, before I forget, now, we're go now the next one, the number five is allowance for gleaning, and that's uh, 24 and 25, the last two verses. Now, before I forget, the movie that I was talking about that's out, supposed to be out right now, and The Sound of Freedom, Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel, when he was an actor before he did The Passion of the Christ, I mean, there was a lightning strike. When he was hanging on the cross making, filming that movie, The Passion of the Christ, there was lightning strikes that came down while they were filming that part. And I think it actually hit the cross a couple times. Crazy stuff happened. Well, after that movie, The Passion of the Christ, he, he had a very tough time finding work as an actor for a good while because of playing that part. So he ended up, over time, from what I remember, became a very serious, devout Christian. And now he's in the, in the movie business to help make movies, whether he's an actor in it or not. So this movie that's out right now, he is a big part of it, but I don't know what part. I don't know if he's an actor in it, or if he just produced it, or whatever. I don't know, but he was interviewed by somebody the other day. 
<clears throat> now I can't remember who it was, who was interviewing him, but that movie is out. And it is about trafficking young people. Young people who have been kidnapped and put into the, uh, the, the sex slavery. And from what I've heard, it has been selling tickets. Early ticket sales were going crazy. Um, it's very inspirational from what I've heard. So I'm going to go see that movie. We, I've, I've got to see it. <clears throat> but very, very emotional and inspirational. It will cause you to want to get more involved. You know, just, w just what's going on at, at our southern border. <clears throat> if people really knew what was happening. There were young kids being sold into that industry just so people can get here. So remember that movie and, and try to watch it and tell people about it. All right, the last two verses and then we'll be done. Now this is allowance for gleaning. Now what is gleaning? Gleaning is um, the story of Ruth would be the best place in the Bible to, to see that, where she just wants to go into a field and pick up the leftovers. So very poor. Her and her mother-in-law were very poor. They didn't have anything, and she was going to go glean in the fields. So let's read this. <clears throat> when thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat grapes thy field at thine own pleasure, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. All right. Now, that was a law so that if someone was traveling through, they can walk by your cornfield and they could just take what they needed for their meal. And that wouldn't be considered stealing. You see what I'm saying? They, they didn't have a Chick-fil-A to stop at when they were traveling. All right, if they happened to be going through a vineyard and they plucked a few grapes off, no big deal. But if they were carrying a big bucket and they ate a few grapes and then started pulling more off and filled up a big old bucket, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. If they had their sickle and they go to take a few, oh, I'm just here to grab just enough to get me by, and then they start chopping the corn and start carrying it off in a wagon. It'd be like today, show up with a big combine and start taking out eight rows at a time. That's, that's not what this is uh, giving us the right to do. But there was that principle of gleaning that took care of the poor people in that time. So you harvested your, your grain. They were instructed, the landowners were instructed, that when you get to the corners of your field, you, you turn before you get up into the corners. It's kind of hard to get into the corners anyway. So just let that go. If you're bringing the sheaves out of the field, you've cut them, and you, you tie them up and one of them falls out as you're dragging it out of there and you see it fell out, don't go back and pick it up. Let it go. 
There's, there's, it, it might be for a divine appointment. You know, oh, it, oh, it fell out. Oh, I mean, no, no, no. God, an angel pulled it out. Possibly. So that that poor person that's going to be walking down the road here in a few minutes, they'll see it over there and they'll run over and get it and they'll go home and make some, a little, some loaves of bread with that grain they got out of that. There's all kinds of these laws, different rules and regulations throughout this. And again, what we're going to get into next week is, is going to... It, it's, it's like, why did they break it up like this? I don't know why. It's not for me to fix it. Even though some people take this, out, like 24, chapter 24 that we're going to be doing next week, they'll take that out and put it with another section to make it easier to go over. Because it seems like we're bringing it back up again when we've already you know, dealt with the issue. But it's spaced out like this, maybe so that we won't get overwhelmed with way too much information on that topic. And then we get into something else, and then we come back to it later, repetition, maybe. I kind of want to go with the way it is here. Just let it flow and um, <clears throat> go with that. All right. So that's it. We're done there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that we will, we will see um, the purpose behind all of these rules and regulations that were for the nation of Israel. And Father, that we would see the parallel of the things that are happening today, and we will be wise in applying these principles that we, we are learning out of Deuteronomy to our life today. Father, help us, help us to know how to minister and to take care of those who maybe fleeing an unsafe or just a, a bad situation. And Father, that we would be a church that when it comes to unclean things, that we would be able to discern those things. Father, we don't want the leaven to, to come in. Father, we want to be a church that's on fire for you, that leaven would just not be able to permeate here. Father, just help us with that. Help us to see it. And Father, that we would be wise in how we take care of people, um, loaning money, whatever we may do, that we would, we would understand the principles of um, you know, just helping people and not wanting to profit from it. And Father, we want to take serious the vows that we make, the commitments that we make here at church or just out in the world with other people. And Father, we also... You know, want to be a giving and understand that you, you make a way, you provide. And Father, that we would uh, see those blessings but not become selfish and stingy in those. Father, help us to be ready to share the good news of the gospel, of the shed blood of your Son dying on the cross, Father, that we would just have a very simple belief and that we just are able to communicate it to those who need to know you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.